Hey, everybody. Glad to be on the show. Uh, it's good to be in Arizona, especially this time of year. We're watching all these uh, uh, snowstorms all across the country. I understand we got snow in Prescott, though. So uh, anyway, uh, we will have a white Christmas in or part of the state if it lasts. We'll see what happens. Hey, uh, it's, we've got an exciting uh, group of guests over the next few hours uh, to talk to. First in, uh, up, up in this uh, guest lineup is a dear friend of mine, David Schweikert. Uh, he was uh, in the state house when I was a, a state senator back in the early 90s. And then uh, David and I served in Congress together. I don't know anybody that understands uh, the budget uh, process or what is needed uh, to get our budget under control better than David. He's a numbers guy. Uh, that means uh, when it comes to dollars and cents, uh, there's probably nobody better uh, as a watchdog of the Treasury uh, back there in Washington, D.C. And I'm really thrilled that he's going to be joining us today. And uh, David, are you on the line? I am there. The, the problem is when you call me a numbers guy, it shows what a failure I've been. You know, because the chaos continues in the debt and deficits. So. Well, you and I both know that uh, a lot of the members of Congress don't want to deal uh, with the difficult issues. We also know that uh, the entitlement spending uh, in, and included in that is the debt service uh, funding, uh, th- that it's just running away. And if we don't ever address it, it it's going to get worse and worse and worse, especially with the interest rates going up. Yeah, Matt, it's scarier than that. Um, and, and let's be honest, the political class, both Republicans and Democrats, I believe, have just blatantly lied to the American people about what causes debt, how you fix it, what's actually coming at us. The primary reason we are heading towards $2 trillion a year deficit, the primary reason today we have $31 trillion but over the next 30 years, we add $114 trillion in today's dollars. Every dime of that $114 trillion, 75% of it is Medicare, shortfall in Medicare. Right, right. 25% is the shortfall in Social Security. The rest of the budget is in balance. And if you hear lots of noise, I'm in one of the old phone booths behind the floor of the house. So you'll I've been there, done that. Um, yep. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it's, and, and we need our brothers and sisters and who are elected or who are political folks say, you got to stop the lie. You know, tax rich people more. Well, if you took every billionaire and just stripped them of every dime and, you know, yachts still sold for the full value of yachts, you didn't crash the market, you run the government for about seven and a half months and then it's over. If you got rid of every dime of foreign aid, you run the government for about 10 days worth of borrowing our borrowing equals 10 days of, you know, the foreign aid equals just 10 days of borrowing. Last year, we borrowed $43,600 a second. Unless you're willing to have a revolution in the cost of delivering health care, you can't make the math work. Yeah. And this is really uncomfortable. It really upsets people. You've got to see some of the mail and things I get. Oh, I know. These presentations of. Here's the path, but there is optimism. Arizona is one of the epicenters of revolutions in telehealth, in sensor data, the thing you blow into that can instantly tell you have the flu and write you a antiviral script. There are ways we could use technology. And one of my great hopes, and, and I'm working as hard as I can, 
is we think we're on the cusp of, at least we know for type 1, a cure for diabetes. Diabetes is 33% of all healthcare spending in America. Wow. It would be the single biggest thing you could do for U.S. debt, oddly enough, is the cure of diabetes. Yep. Well, David, you are on the Ways and Means. You're on the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, it's entirely possible that you could end up chairing uh, the Healthcare Subcommittee on Ways and Means. Um, you'd be in a position to really be able to do some good. Um, before we talk about maybe some of the things that might come before the Ways and Means Committee, um, David, we're we're facing uh, some epic uh, inflation numbers, uh, especially here in Arizona. Is there a nexus between inflation and federal spending? Of course there is. Look, um, remember your high school definition. What is inflation? In high school, we were all taught it's too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. Congress has pumped out stunning amounts of dollars, and the Federal Reserve financed it. The Federal Reserve basically acted like the uncle who buys beer for the alcoholic nephew. Um, now, Congress could step up and do a couple things. We could actually fixate on productivity. What do you do tax policy-wise, um, regulatory policy-wise, that push up so we make more stuff? And the other thing is, how do you incentivize people to save? How about if you gave everyone a spiff saying, if you put money in your retirement account, we're going to give you the spiff. Oh, by doing that, we remove liquidity. We remove those excess dollars from chasing, and we improve your retirement security. I, I, I have bills to do this, but, uh, and, and I know, I try, particularly, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work with my brothers and sisters on the Democrat side and not sound too partisan, but if it's a Republican idea, one of our great frustrations the last two years, you functionally, you don't get heard. Um, but you and I live in the epicenter of inflation. And if you're a working person in Phoenix and Scottsdale, you've lost six or seven weeks of your labor, oh, yeah. your paycheck. Whether you know it or not, your cost of gas and groceries, you're getting crushed. And it's immoral what we've let happen. And the, it, the employment numbers that just came out, I need you to take a look at the wage inflation gap. People are getting poorer in America every single day because their wages are going up, but they're not going up as fast as inflation. So, so David, um, we probably have about a minute and a half left uh, and so much to talk about. But, um, you know, it, the Republicans are going to have a very, very slim majority uh, somewhere between three and five uh, after uh, the, the 1st of January. And we've got a Democrat president, uh, Joe Biden. We've got a Dem- uh, likely a Democrat Senate uh, with um, Camilla doing the tiebreaker uh, if uh, we end up winning in Georgia. What, what should we expect? Are, are Republicans just going to be able to kind of hold the door against bad ideas? Or can we move any good ideas forward? What, what, what do we expect? Um, hopefully we'll be able to hold the door to stop some of the crazy spending, and, and, and which has set off inflation and, and, and is bankrupting the rest of the world. You've got to understand, right. we have much of the rest of the world that's in real trouble because what we did in the United States, where I'm hopeful and this is why I'm trying to get people to think differently, is curing a disease and therefore removing that cost from society. Is that Republican or Democrat? It's not. It's just, it's moral. 
it's, 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 it's joyous. And so there's a handful of us who are trying to get people to think about technology and opportunity of are there good things we can do that we can actually do together that also would help my goal of going at this debt and deficit. Because remember, we have to double tax rates over the next 25 years. And it's already baked in the cake. That is just to maintain baseline services. So if you're a young person right now, when you hit your peak earning years, um, I'm sorry, you're screwed unless we have a revolution changing these costs. And and you are right on top of everything, David. I, I, I sleep better at night, at least knowing that the, you're there understanding what the real problems are and that you are one of those rare people that is not willing uh, to uh, tell people to urinate on their shoes and tell them it's a rainstorm. Uh, the fact is, you tell, you tell the truth. I don't truth. know if I'd use that as my analogy, but yeah. Look, um, it's, it's fascinating. Both Republicans and Democrats get really upset when you tell them the truth about the math, but the math always wins. That's right. Well, David, I gotta, I gotta close this off and and uh, move onward and upward. But uh, God bless you, and thanks for all you do. Thanks, man. All right. Next on the show, we're moving toward toward our break. Okay. values and strong opinions the mike broomhead show ktar news 92.3 fm and the ktar news app hey there everybody this is matt salmon in for mike broomhead happy friday everybody i'm uh, really really thankful it's here uh just uh came back from washington dc belly of the beast last night uh i went tuesday on a red eye i do not like red eye flights uh, i gotta tell you but uh spent a, a quick uh time over there in washington dc and it's still crazy i gotta tell you something kind of funny uh my uh, son uh, my youngest son matthew is actually a psychiatrist who practices in washington dc i told him he was going to get filthy rich because there's all kinds of crazy in washington dc uh just dealing with narcissism alone you can become a very very rich human being if you're in the psychiatry division um Listen, I'm going to be hosting the Mike Broomhead show on a fairly regular basis whenever Mike can't be here. Uh, they're going to be asking me to come in and sub for him. And so I want to tell you just a little bit about who I am. Uh, my name is Matt Salmon. I'm a former U.S. congressman, served 10 years in the U.S. House, served four years in the state Senate. But more importantly, I have a wonderful wife. Her name is Nancy. Uh, I've been married to her for 43 years. She's the president of the Mesa Republican Women. Uh, but more importantly, she's the mother of four wonderful children and the grandmother of nine beautiful grandchildren. Our oldest grandson, Jack, uh, just left on a mission for our church. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he left the uh, Mission Training Center in Provo, Utah, uh, to go to uh, Cambodia. And uh, he sent us a video uh, just a couple of days ago uh, showing that uh, he was uh, participating with the family in eating a barbecued rat. Uh, and uh, 
uh, yeah, turn my stomach too. But it shows what you have to do sometimes to uh, get along with the populations that you serve with. I served a mission uh, for the same church, Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, uh, in Taiwan from 1977 to 79. That's how come I speak Mandarin Chinese, uh, as opposed to what you heard during the campaign trail. No, I am not a spy for the Chinese government. Uh, I am I, I'm a former uh, Mormon missionary uh, to Taiwan that loves Taiwan and loves freedom. Uh, and w- we'll be talking later about some of the crackdowns uh, in China on the Internet about uh, protests over uh, COVID lockdowns. But uh, aside from that, um, you know, I, uh, I'm just a regular guy like everybody else uh, here trying to make their things work for their family. Uh, I raised my four children here in Arizona. Uh, two of them still live here. Uh, one, as I mentioned, Matthew lives in D.C. as a psychiatrist. My daughter Katie lives in Utah and has one little girl. Uh, eight of my grandchildren uh, live within uh, a square mile of me uh, within uh, the Mesa boundaries. My daughter Lara uh, is uh, her name is Lara Ellingson. Uh, she's on the uh, Mesa School Board, the largest unified school district in the state, and uh, she's out there fighting for uh, families uh, so that their kids get a great education, and I'm really, really proud of her. But uh, I uh, first got elected to the state Senate uh, back in 1990 and quickly uh, came out fighting on a few issues. Uh, I'm one of the people that sponsored the legislation that created uh, the ability to have concealed carry permits uh, for uh, the, the Second Amendment, and I'm proud to have done that. I was also one of the sponsors of the original legislation that created charter schools uh, in the state of Arizona uh, back in 1993, and it's been a really wonderful experiment and given a lot of people opportunities uh, to have uh, uh, to decide where their kids are going to go to school, and I'm big on education choice. Uh, I ran for Congress uh, for the first time in 1994 during the contract with America and uh, got elected. And one of the really popular ideas back at that time was the idea of term limits. I'm a strong, strong believer in term limits. We have term limits uh, for the president of the United States. I also believe that we should have uh, term limits for members of Congress. And so I believed in it so much that uh, I signed my own term limit pledge. And out of a 100 of us that actually said we would abide by term limits, uh, when the time came due, actually only four of us uh, kept our word and came home. And I was one of those folks. And so uh, I left Congress in uh, January of uh, 2001 when George W. Bush was elected president. Uh, for all those that uh, uh, don't remember, we had a big election crisis that year, too. Uh, during that election, uh, George W. Bush was uh, actually uh, elected. Uh, the election was decided by the Supreme Court. Remember the hanging chads in Florida? And and Florida, instead of Arizona, was the focus of the country on uh, uh, quirky election laws. And so a lot's happened. But I just wanted to give you a brief introduction. I am somebody that believes in the Constitution up to my eyeballs, and I will do everything within my power to fight, to preserve it, to protect it. I'm also one uh, that believes uh, in the rule of law 
and that our most important role in the United States is adhering the constitu- to the Constitution and practicing the rule of law. Uh, that's what separates uh, us from other countries and protecting the freedoms uh, that we enjoy. Uh, our founding fathers created, I believe, one of the greatest documents that's ever been created next to the, the, the writing of the Bible, and that is the U.S. Constitution. And for the first time in the history of civilization, you had a group of people that believed that rights don't come from government. Inalienable rights come from God Almighty, and they cannot be infringed by governments. And the most important role of government is to protect us and our inalienable rights from an ever-growing and expanding government. That's the most important role uh, of our government, and I will protect that to the death. So we're going to be having uh, a lot of really, really great guests on the show over the next uh, couple of hours, and I hope you'll stay with us. But at nine, uh, excuse me, eight forty-five, I hope you'll join me with Steve Zinsmeister. We're going to be talking about the big Q poll question of the day, and that's going to be up next. So I hope you stick around. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right. We're lucky to have Steve Zinsmeister joining us right now with the Big Q Poll Question of the Day. Steve, welcome. And what is it? Hey, Matt. Good morning. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, doing a great job filling in for Broomhead, by the way. It's nice to have a professional in the studio. <laughs> well, it's good to so, be here. Listen. Listen, I got the Gatos Big Q poll question. It's brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers, and I think that this is, is fitting, so you tell me what you think. Cochise County finally certified their election results. They're the last county out of Arizona to finalize and certify. Can we finally stop talking about the election, yes or no? Now, this is not a shocker, but it, the poll is running at 75% roughly of people say, yeah, let's stop talking about the election. And I'd love to tell you that the rest of the process is super boring and procedural and that the governor is just going to sit up there and sign the dotted line and it's over with. But as you know, Matt, two years ago, the certification day was a little bit more dramatic than that. When the hail to the chief starts ringing on his phone and Donald Trump comes calling the same day that the governor is signing off on his death certificate in Arizona. And it was dramatic. It was interesting. Didn't you think that was interesting? I thought it was downright funny um, the way it all turned out. You know, the fact is Republicans have always said that they are the party of law and order. These pesky laws, you have to actually abide by them. And one of the laws that we have in Arizona is that you shall canvas on a certain date. There's no flexibility. So here's my next question to you then, because I was pondering this with Chad on the air yesterday. Cochise County's Board of Supervisors missed the deadline to canvas on Monday. They ended up doing it yesterday out of duress, and they were forced to by a judge, but they did it anyway. But they still missed that deadline by a couple of days. So even though they eventually did the right thing, should they still be punished for missing that deadline on Monday? I mean, they broke the law. Well, from everything that I understand, they can be. And, and, and I've always believed that, you know, as lawmakers and as policymakers, our first responsibility is to the Constitution, both of the U.S. and of the state, and then next to the statute, and to make sure that we're adhering to the law. If you don't like the law, then get it changed. But if the law is on the books, you got to follow it. And when people break the law, there needs to be a comeuppance. 
And I'm just done with all the antics. The the we can't find a lawyer, but we're going to go to court anyway. And then we don't have a lawyer at the court meeting. And then they tried to file a lawsuit in the Eastern District of Arizona, which isn't a real thing. I mean, like, I'm so tired of all this, and I'm ready to stop talking about the election. The people that won, won, and we can deal with that. And if we don't like it, then we can vote for new people in two years, and that's how it's supposed to be. And if the Republican Party is uh, going to get smart and do things to actually win elections in the future, they're going to have to start focusing on why uh, independents and a lot of the moderate Republicans have left them. And they've got to focus on building that big tent once again and looking forward instead of always backward. And I'm with you. It's time to focus on things that matter for the people of Arizona. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about water. We're talking about schools. We're talking about all these important things. Let's get back to what counts. Well, let me ask you this, too, because I'm interested to get your take. I know we're up against it. Uh, Blake Masters is being consulted as an advisor for the uh, the RNC nationally. They came to him to say, hey, what can we do to win elections? That doesn't really make sense to me. He, he hasn't won an election before. Is that a good person for them to be consulting with? Kind of like asking uh, Sonny Liston, uh, how, how, how uh, can you beat Muhammad Ali? Um, <laughs> I mean, the fact is, you, you, you know, they, they should be talking to people. Maybe Kim Yee should be consulted because she actually won her election. Yeah. And, yeah. And, or, maybe, or maybe a Democrat. That's the point. Um, we need to we need to be focusing on in the future. The Republican Party is dead unless it starts figuring out why it's not communicating with the people that need to put them in office. It's got to do a better job focusing on the issues that matter to people and not uh, drumming up things that that people want to move move on beyond. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, I'm done talking politics, but I'll listen to you talk about it for the next three hours if you want to. Sounds good, man. <laughs> All right, Matt. Good to talk to you. All right. Well, we're up against time, and uh, I hope you'll join me uh, next at the 9 o'clock hour. I'm going to talk a little bit about presidential and ex-presidential protocols. Nick Fuentes and uh, uh, Kanye West, the uh, artist known, I guess, as Ye now, uh, had a dinner with uh, Donald Trump. What's going on here? Why doesn't the staff check people out like every other ex-president I've ever heard of or known does to make sure that the people come in, number one, aren't folks that pose a threat to the president that could kill them? Or also wingnuts like these two people that were able to come in and get audience with the president. And saying, I don't know who they are, that just doesn't cut it. You know what? Harry Truman had a sign on his desk. The buck stops here. When you're the leader, you got to put on the big boy pants and you got to lead.